good to be in the house this morning. Um, I've been away for a little bit because I don't like you guys. Um, no, no, no. We, we had a, a few different things. We had kids camp. We, had, uh, we just finished our teen camp last week in K&I. You guys are lucky I'm here, bro. K&I is so beautiful. I was like, man, I just want to stay. I had like uh, post-camp remorse, you know. I was like, I wanted to just stay there for a little bit. Um, so if you guys don't know, uh, K&I used to be, um, YMCA used to run that for years, but they lost the lease. And so uh, a bunch of Eastsiders took over. So it's uh, K&I Uka. It's kind of the new organization in there, but just a beautiful place. My, my hope is, our, our plan is to do a, a teen camp during um, winter uh, that ends on the 30, uh, 31st, something like that. And then after church on the 31st, maybe we'll just do a family camp for a couple of days if you guys are interested. Um, you guys cook, and I'll, and I'll eat, okay? Um, no, but, but, but excited, excited to be here. Um, a little testimony. Actually, not that little. It's massive. Um, so Ken and Mora, who are um, a big part of why we're here, I mean, their love for God is, is why this place is being transformed, and then, you know, their heart is to have Jesus right in the middle of it. Anyway, Elizabeth is just finished nationals, so, like, all states, right, national rodeo, and she got second all-around cowgirl. Bro, that's like, that's next level, you know, that, oh, man, that's, I texted this morning, it's like, I'm going to punch you in the head when, when you come home, but it's just awesome, you know, like, to, to see, like, um, Ken and Moore and, and their heart for the Lord that has transformed the junior national, I mean, the junior High school rodeos here on the island, and they're just plugging away. You know, the, the, the new season is going to start up, you know, probably end of, end of September, early October. Come out. They're, they're out here, man. August. You know, August. Okay. So August is coming, you know, right on the corner. But, you I mean, just come out here and just watch these, you know, uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers. They just are, are, it's a whole new era. You know, it's a whole new era. And, uh, and I love that. In the middle of all of that, the Lord is, is present. I mean, you ask Kenneth Moran, they would say, like, without God's presence, none of this would have happened, you know. So, um, so this morning, we, we uh, you know, it, it's, it's a great link, actually, that testimony of what God is doing here to this ranch. You know, before, before COVID, um, you know, this clubhouse was kind of run down a little bit. You know, there's this, an older arena here. All of this was just pasture land. And God started to bring a transformation here, not just on the land, but in the people. And, and fast forward to where we are right now, just this handful of years of what God is doing on this ranch. He's, he's not just changing the structure, but he's changing people. And not just people, but a culture where people are, are inviting their kids to be a part of the 4th of July Makwa Stampede because it's a family setting, right? You're like encouraged to bring your kids. I mean, I'm sending my, my daughters to, to be a part of rodeo, you know. But back in the day, my parents never sent me, and I never want to come, you know. Like, it was just like a, a scene that was, you know, pretty unhealthy. But, but God is, is bringing a transformation here, and, and, the, and the question is why. Right before our eyes, we, we are seeing God's heart play itself out here in upcountry Maui. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and he says, when you pray, pray like this. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in. So the, the heart of God is that the, not only to have this longing to be with God for eternity, 
in heaven, but there should be a longing for us to be with God here while we're on earth, working out his heavenly attributes in our workplaces, in our families, in our relationships. You guys get that? That we can taste a bit of heaven where? Here, right? And we're looking around us. And you, and you ask anybody who's been a part of the rodeo scene on upcountry Maui for years, they, they can tell you more than now. Like for me, my story just started when we started hanging out with the Mirandas more, you know? Um, and, and, and this is what is at the heart of the, the Beautiful Mess series. The Apostle Paul is writing to this first generation of believers and encouraging them that they can taste a little bit of heaven now. And how they conduct themselves and how they conduct themselves with one another, how they conduct themselves as a, as a piece of the body of Christ. They can live in a godless world with God in their midst. Amen? And he gives, the Apostle Paul gives him a clear route. He needed to preach the, the first stage first. The gospel message needed to come. And so he came and he preached Christ crucified. Foolishness to the world. But for all those who are being saved, it is the hope of their lives, right? That they were destined for hell, abandonment, judgment because of the sin, right, that they practiced. But inserted into that doom message was what? The son of the living God. Jesus came, he lived, he loved, he died, right, as a sin offering. Like he literally took their place. He was perfect. And he took on his shoulders the imperfection of humanity. And so what was left? Brand new beginnings. Brand new beginnings. The old is gone and continues to leave. And everybody say new. Everybody say new things. Right? We're just talking about new wine, right? There's a brand new thing happening, not just in individuals and families. And not just in a community, but in ancient Greece, right? Just like in upcountry Maui. There's a lot of people who have loved Jesus for a long time, right? But now there's like newness, amen? The old is leaving and continues to leave, and new things of God are continuing to, to show. Man, if you're here this morning and you've experienced a newness of God, even at its most infant stage, I hope that there's a stirring of praise in you this morning. Like if you went from not knowing God to knowing that there is a God, and that God out there has you on blast. There should be a stirring, a surfacing of gratitude this morning, right? And we're working that out, amen? The Corinthian church, they're working out their salvation, right? God is there. His love is there. They're, they're, they're experiencing transformation, but there's still a little bit of world there, amen? And the Apostle Paul is um, teaching them about this kingdom of God and how to make the changes. Holy, it's not working. Come on, work, work. Let me just restart this. But Jesus talking about this, this kingdom of God, not of just heaven, right, but also of, oh, it's there, it's there, okay, okay, right, also of the world. And I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but Jesus hung out on earth about 40 days after resurrection. And he hung out with his disciples and he taught them some things. And the predominant theme of what Jesus talked about was this very topic, right? Uh, 
in his first book, Theophilus, which was the book of Luke, right? I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands for the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs appearing to them during a, a period of 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Friday night, we, we have our, our youth group and we're talking about um, uh, the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is a parable where Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom of God, right? Values and characteristics, and this is not in your, in your sermon notes, but, but, but this is kind of an exhausted amount of, of the stories, and, and many of these parables that Jesus taught is how to teach us about what? The world that he wants here that doesn't actually exist here, though, you know, and how to talk with one another, and how to, no more QR code, right? You just gotta, just take one blink, take one picture, like, anyway, I can, I can send this to you if you want it, um, or you could just Google them, Okay, it's all there. Right, but Jesus, he, when he was here, he, he wanted to teach people not just about salvation. He, he wasn't trying to bring a, a corporate understanding of a church. Right, he was teaching individuals about community and, and how to treat one another, how to behave in the midst of a world that is unbelieving still. And so the question that we've been asking is, you know, uh, how do we as believers Live as live in a world full of non-believers, governed by non-believers, right? And, and so, uh, uh, Brody Boyd, right from Remarkable, we, we kind of been Pastor Sean introduced this concept. There's three different concepts that that or, or, or decisions that that a lot of Christians make, right? They can either um, isolate, right, those who are like, I love Jesus, but I'm just going to run away from the world. They're going to hibernate in my house. They're going to live in a cave, right? And they don't really interact with the world. And then you got instigators who are completely opposite, right? They're the ones with the, the pitchforks on the side, and you always going to go to hell. And, you know, you guys need to turn and repent, you know, and they just kind of are stirring up things, right? And then those that are integrators, where they're in the world, kind of like the world, behaving like the world, but they love Jesus, right? And, and the, the Apostle Paul He's like, his thought is he would want us to be godly in the godless world. There's no easy answer. There's no easy answer. Every one of us need to wrestle how to be a, a, a lover of Jesus in a godless loving world. In, in your family, right, maybe you, you one of only, right? Like you're the, the only one who is a lover of Jesus. How do you love Jesus in the midst of family, right, that don't love Jesus? Maybe you're the only guy in your marketplace, in your company, that loves Jesus. How do you do that? You know, in your friend group, in your sports group, right here at the ranch, like how do you, in the midst of a culture of people that don't necessarily love Jesus, how do you love Jesus? Right? And the Apostle Paul would want the church of Corinth in a godless world, right, to be saints. And that's not easy. The only way we do that is with one another. Amen? Right? We got to pray for one another, help each other out as we try to filter our way through this. Okay? So, um, Let's pray. We'll jump to chapter 6, and we'll, we'll cover some, some doozies of a topic today. Amen? Jesus, we give you praise for this morning. We mahalo you, Lord, that um, your heart is for community. Your heart is for ohana. You, you, you have taught that when we are saved, we are adopted into your families, that for all those who believe in your name, um, who have received your message, and your offering, you, you've given us the opportunity to be sons and daughters of God. This morning, God, as we open up your word, I pray that um, 
you would give us just clear insight, direction, power, freedom as, as we try to be that community, right, to, to live as, uh, uh, to live in a world, God, that is godless, but yet be godly in our community. Lord, we pray that the result of this morning's message would be your kingdom come, your will be done here, God, in upcountry Maui, because it's a beautiful thing, and, and what an honor it is that, to know that you have a heart for us, and our island, and our town, and this people. So, um, yeah, bring your word this morning, Lord, and your spirit. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, so let's jump into this. So chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Uh, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to the law before unrighteous instead of to the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world and if the world is to be judged by you, are you not incompetent to try trivial trials? And so the, the issue now in, in chapter 6 is um, similar to what we talked about before. Is there a lack of spiritually wise individuals in your church? Like, do you not have enough God or wisdom of God or individuals, right, who have loved God for a season to be able to assist that community to live godly. The term that the Apostle Paul used is he laid a foundation like a, anybody remember? Yeah, thank you, skilled master builder, right? The Apostle Paul says when he was there, he laid a foundation of Jesus Christ where there was no foundation, just like a skilled master builder does, right? And his implore to them, is that they're living like infant Christians when they should be mature Christians, meaning not just Paul, but other believers there should be at a stage where maybe not a master, but they should at least be a skilled builder, right? Individuals who have a wisdom of God able to assist one another in conflict, amen? We understand that there's going to be conflict in the church? Just hang around a little bit. You can learn. Right? There's conflict. There's going to be conflict in our understanding of God, conflict in our uh, behaviors for one another, conflict in how we live in the godless world that we're living in. And the Apostle Paul encourages them that there should be amongst them spiritually mature individuals. There's a challenge, though. What's the, cha what's the challenge? We can dialogue. We can dialogue. We good? We all one family? What, what's some of the challenges you think? exists because uh, uh, that, that's helping them to or hindering them of having that mature elder group. I kind of already gave you the answer. They're first-generation believer. See, why put in the chapel? We, like, like for me, my parents love the Lord. Their, their parents love the Lord. Their parents love the Lord. I'm, I'm in a generation, right, of families that, right, my, my family lineage is of individuals who love Jesus. You come into Waipuna Chapel, right, there is a lineage of individuals who are a part of a lineage of people who love Jesus. And so in our church, we have those who have known God for a long time, studied God's word for a long time, right? And so they have years of experience and knowledge of God. Part of the challenge is that's a first-generation group of people living in a godless world. They don't have um, elderly, per se, right, to call on to lead them in that direction. But the Apostle Paul isn't letting them off the hook, Right? He taught earlier in, in one of the chapters that if, if you have the Spirit of God who knows the mind of God, 
then you can know the mind of God. So you don't necessarily have to live with God for 20, 30, 40 years to have a level of understanding of God and his ways. Amen? Amen? Especially for those who are like 30 and under. Say amen. Right? Anybody get treated when you're like under 30 like, ah, you're a young boy. You know, like, you know, and I, and I get part of that. Like the more you live life, the more you're going to experience life and you're just going to gain what? Knowledge. Knowledge is like when I, when I go through things and I learn on my own. What's the difference in knowledge and wisdom, though? Yeah, wisdom sometimes you can learn and glean from other people, right? Learning from other people's mistakes, right? James, the brother of Jesus, says, he who lacks wisdom asks of the Lord who gives abundantly to all those who ask. If you want to know more about God and his ways, where do you go? The fast track, anybody? Anybody like the fast track, the TSA line? Anybody gone and stand in that line to, to get the, what do you call it, the, the fast pass? Not fa- that's, a, that's a magic mountain. What, what is the, um, the, the, the pre-check, the pre-check, right? You got to go by Luku and stand in that long, bro, it's nuts. I tried numerous times and I never get in. But anyway, slumming it, everybody else got to stand in the long TSA lines. Right, if, if you want to get the fast track to the Lord, right, or you want to get pre-checked to the Lord, like, the, the, you just spend more time with the Lord. You spend more time with the body doing what? This stuff where we open up God's word. We talk about God's word, right? We, we, we glean with one another, and exponentially, you can learn about the Lord quicker. Amen? You can learn about the Lord quicker the more time we spend in it. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, like, man, I gave you everything that you need pertaining to godliness and holiness. You just got to, right, you just got to commit. There should be already at this point a level of individuals there able to do what? Address the wrongs. So not only are they not there, but then you're taking Two people within the church who love Jesus and you're standing before an ungodly judge and trying to get his ruling. In the Apostle Paul's mind, he's like, that doesn't make any sense. Right? He's, what he's not saying also is that there, there's no room for government in the world. Right? The Apostle Paul writes in, in some of his letters, like, order is of God. Right, kings and queens and government and rules come from the Lord. The, is some of it ungodly? 100%. Right, but is order and conduct of God? Yeah, it's from God. Right? And so he's not saying, like, we don't need government per se. But what he's saying is there should be a level of governance within the church. We tracking? Is that good? The, the Greek society, right, they, they had this... Um, this desperation or this like, f- like fantasizing about the law, right? They were, they were prone to be about the law and disputes. And, um, and so the Greek system of laws, they had jurors, right? They had juries. They had judges. And um, the more serious the crime, the more jurors they got. And so all males over the age of 30 would have to participate in these um, Minor offenses, you would have anywhere, you know, 201 jurors, major offenses, 401, some cases in the thousands. Talk about a case just moving on and on and on, right? But this concept of of Greek culture was where? Not just out of the church, but it was in the church. So the Apostle Paul is not saying don't have that process, right, of, of governance in the church, right? He's saying 
in that process, insert Jesus into your conduct, right? And so in our American system, right, so we, we live, right, in, in a similar type of world. You know, at any time within the year, there's over 40 million lawsuits that happen, right? 100 million registered lawyers, like, you know, we understand, especially on Maui, like, with trying to make changes and politics and all those things, like, this, we're living in the system, but the, the challenge for us as believers, too, is, is how do we bring the issues that we can handle in-house and keep them in-house? And then Jesus is just going to go next level. Ready? So, so let, let me read a little bit, and then we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack. The Apostle Paul says, uh, I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between uh, the brothers, but brothers goes to law against a brother and that before an unbeliever? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded instead of what? Defrauding your brother. That is counterculture. He's saying, why not take the loss instead of forcing the loss on your brother? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your brothers. Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. He's not talking about non-believer to believer. He's talking within the body of Christ, right? If somebody comes up to you and, and barks at you, chirps at you, punches you, or, you know, like he's like, let him go, right? And this is kind of like a, we'll get to this paradigm of nonviolence a little bit. But the, uh, Jesus continues, says, if anyone sues, uh, would sue you and, and take your tunic, g give him your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go, go two miles with you. The Apostle Paul will say, we really have no rights anyway. Just when he thought the conduct part is challenging, let me just make it more challenging. The Apostle Paul says, I have no rights in the body of Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. How much can a dead person say? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, right? Or it, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that justice? That's not justice. That's mercy. That's grace. And he's saying, we were shown great mercy and great grace by the Son of God. How can you not show a level of grace and mercy to who? To one another. Amen? The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., right, a devout believer in Jesus, he said, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars, right? Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Another devout believer, the last reigning monarch of Hawaii, right, our queen. I, I want to read a, a portion um, uh, to you today from, from a little excerpt that I, that I found. Um, it, this comes from, um, who does it come from? This guy. Uh, so, so this guy Dana is a uh, musical composer, but he also did some research and just, you know, deeper 
as he's making songs about the queen, songs about the time, did a study, and I just found his work, and I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. And it's going to read about the overthrow there, and, and, and not just what a queen's response was, but what a Bible-believing, Jesus-fearing, God-loving queen's response was in a world full of what? Not just non-believers, but I want to say corrupt believers, even harder. See, in that time, many of the guys who came over on ship were Catholics, were angelicals, were descendants of those who loved Jesus. And they, were, they had the, the, the shirts that said, I love God. They had the Bibles that said, I love God. But in their conduct, they, they didn't really love God, right? They were more about their own interests rather than the interests of God's kingdom, let alone the Hawaiian kingdom. So I'll just read a little bit uh, this morning. Four boatloads of U.S. Marines landed on Hawaiian grounds carrying Gatlin guns with 14,000 rounds of ammunition, followed by two revolving canyons and a hospital unit. Blue jackets numbering 162 marched through the streets of Honolulu headed toward the palace. The queen watched from the balcony as the U.S. troops took up position as they encircled the palace grounds. The U.S. officers in charge ordered their flags lowered and saluted the queen with drumroll. Grant uh, commented of the invasion, the idea that a revolution was taking place probably didn't occur to most people in Honolulu. When the U.S. Marines landed and the Royal Hawaiian Band was playing a concert at the Hawaiian Hotel, it didn't even stop. Most people probably saw that this as another political disturbance in Honolulu, which would resolve itself in a few days. The queen's loyal but feeble royal palace guard had already taken up arms and was standing at full alert, ready to repel invaders at the queen's command and order that she would never give. It was a tensious-filled but mostly silent afternoon and evening as they faced off each other. The U.S. Marines around the perimeter of the palace and the palace guards at the footstep of the palace. The next day, January 17, 1893, the Committee of Safety declared their new provisional government in Hawaii. Within hours, Stevens recognized the new regime on behalf of the United States. The Queen was ordered to resign at gunpoint by the U.S. Marines. With guns pointed at her, she met with her cabinet and made her decision. After great deliberations, she surrendered to the United States of America, not the provisional government that was established there, but to the United States. I, oh, let me just read this. I, I put this on here. This is from the, the last reigning monarch, right? I, Lelio Kalani, by the grace of God, and to avoid any collision of armed forces and perhaps the loss of life, I do, under the protests and impelled by said forces, yield my authority until such time as the government of the United States shall reinstate me in the authority which I claim as the constitutional sovereign of the Hawaiian Islands. A little bit more. The queen had great faith in the Lord, and the queen had great faith in America. It was the Americans that had brought Christianity, which she took in and embraced. And because of the faith she felt that truth and justice would prevail, she considered America and Hawaii as allies. Moreover, she regarded President Grover Cleveland as a close personal friend. 
The last thing she wanted was for blood to be shed among friends. So the queen ordered her palace guard to lay down his arms. The U.S. Marines stood down. Later the same day, however, police department of Honolulu pledged allegiance to the new provisional government. The amazing thing is that as soon as Liliuokalani was put out of power, she exerted all of her influence to keep Hawaiian people from rising up and put her, putting her back on the throne. She was so terribly afraid of shedding of Hawaiian blood in her cause. She leaves this comment in her writing that it's a matter of great pride to her that not a single drop of blood, either a friend or foe, is upon my soul. But she had allowed bloodshed to be shed. Oh, I'll buzz pause her there. Uh, the, the, the paradigm of, uh, as believers, do we take the route of nonviolence or do we defend what we feel is right? To each his own. Like, I feel like each person between them and God needs to come to an understanding of what God's call is for them, right? To, to fight for what is godly and fight for what is right. And, and at other times, to allow God to have his, his way, right? The, the two examples I put on there, they, you know, Reverend you know, Martin Luther King Jr., right? And, and our last reigning monarch, just... The queen, like they both of them love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they allowed God to use them to do as much as he could through their lives while they were here. Some of it they had victory. Some of it they didn't, you know. But within their consciousness, per se, in their relationship with God, there was that prayer in, in the midst of the community. There was that deliberation of, of what is God's best for us in this time. Amen? Right? Seeking wisdom, seeking knowledge, seeking advice in, in times where the, the, the world and the enemy and godlessness is pressing in. How do we live? How do we respond? How do we allow God's kingdom and his rule to, to take its place here? At times we fight. At times we don't. Jesus, when the disciples were here, they wanted to do what? They wanted to fight. Let's bring God's kingdom here. And Jesus was like, it's going to be in this world, but it's not really of this world. And the kingdom that he's bringing is not a kingdom like one that has ever existed in this world. Amen? And so even those who were closest to Jesus needed to be given what? Advice to lay down arms. Because the great victory came when Jesus died, was betrayed, was mistreated, right? True life came from that great loss, per se. So in, in, in Longside, God had the last words, right? I'm so very grateful that while we start this church here in Makawao, we're a part of a, a, a church body that has been doing it for seasons. Like when we had our first week in here, I didn't have to invent much. 
because much had been instilled in me and much has been instilled in the staff. And it just was a continuation of what God has already been doing in the country. Amen. Uh, Eric and Moana, I'm not sure if you guys have met them. Um, they're one of the more seasoned believers uh, that Waipuna has. And I was so very honored that they would choose to slum it up with us young guys here. You know, like we're starting a new work and we're, you know, well, our first Sunday here was early. We're inside here at 12 people. More people was on the stage than, see, you know, like in the chairs. And, and it was just humbling for me to have like individuals there that were seasoned and committed to what? Bring a level of maturity, a level of service, a level of godliness to a, a young group of people. Right. They're like. This is a young group that started. Well, my first, I've been a pastor for a long time, but it was my first church plant, per se. Well, I don't know about that first plant. We started one in college. Just a few of my friends, we, like, didn't want to church hop. And on college was our community. I mean, we spent time with one another. We prayed for one another. You know, my senior year, my friends were like, bro, let's just save gas. And just was awesome. We took tithe, you know, and we decided what we wanted to do with that. And. You know, communion was with big loaves of Hawaiian loaf bread and cups. And, you know, it was like, it was just cool, you know. It was good days of, uh, it, it didn't last, you know, it didn't last, you know. But, you know, in order for, for, for young work of God to last, we, we need wisdom, amen. We need godliness. We need not just elderly in years, but elderly in godly years and wisdom to help us to decipher. And so I, I, I speak to all of you here, in order for this part of Waipuna Chow, this part of body of Christ here in Makawal to flourish, we're going to need your guys' input. We're going to need your guys' involvement. To do what? To figure out what God's will is for not just here, but out there. What is God's will for just down this road in the heart of Makawal? Right? How do we reach people? How do we take a stand in a world of what? A lot of godlessness. And, and the Apostle Paul is going to list off some things that were present in ancient Greece that are still present here in modern-day Hawaii and America. So he continues, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither do sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revelers, swindlers, None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. It seems challenging to read these off and accept them for what they are. Somebody tell me why. Hmm? It's all around us. That's one. Why else? Currently in America... I mean, these things have been present in America for, for ages, right? Ever since the, the, the thing, you know, America has started. Like, people are sinful and corrupt, and, you know, there's always corruption in, in our country. For a season in, in our country, there, there were individuals who stood for a godly morality, meaning they opened up the Bible and says, this is how we're going to conduct ourselves while we're here in this new territory. Right? They knew what was dark, they knew what was light, they knew what was godly, they knew what was ungodly. And they tried their best to interpret the word of God into this new beginning. Currently, where we live, there are many who love God who are giving a God stamp to these behaviors. Eliminating it from the Bible. 
right? Even this morning, right? As, as I was preparing to read this this morning, I was thinking, I know some of these are going to just be triggers for people. I know why. It, it's happening in the world right now where believers are, 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 are wrestling. They're in the world and they're figuring out how do I be godly in the godless world? And the God culture is saying that this is the right way and this is how you accept people. And, and then here's what the scriptures are saying. And how do you reconcile it? And there's some people who are committed on just like retracting, some people who are picketing, and some people who are just fully immersed. And what's your pick? Where are you? Where is Waipuna going to stand? In a world that is ungodly, putting a God stamp on the ungodly thing, and we need to accept these behaviors into our practices. Okay. Waipuna Chapel will always accept people who practice these things. But we will never accept the behaviors of these things. I will never tell you that this is godliness. Why? Right? I'm, in, I, I'm robbing you of the power of the gospel. I'm robbing you of the joy that is found in Jesus. Why did Jesus go to the cross? To free us from sin, death, and the grave. If life and life to the fullest could have been found in the world, Jesus would not have had to die. But he did die. Why did he did die? To bring us life and freedom and liberation from what? The trash that came from what? From the sin, from enemy, from a world that has a pattern, right, of doing things on their own. Write me all the emails you want. I will always love you, right? I will always speak the truth, though. Why? I've needed that in my life. There was times in my life where Kaipo lived an ungodly life as a pastor. And I needed wise individuals to come alongside me and say, Kaipo, God's calling for you is irrevocable, but you got to address some of these things. They didn't kick me out of the church. They brought me where? Closer into the church. Closer into fellowship. Closer into the body of Christ to not just know about the law of God, but the love of God. Amen? To see the love of God interpreted as the law of God. To be able to say, like, any one of these is not of God. But God has a response to everyone. Some of these are more highlighted in our culture than others. I mean, you talk about drunkenness, right? As long as you're 21 and over and you're not driving, give them. Right? I mean, that's a, it's not, you're not actually breaking the law. If you an alcoholic over the age of 21 and you're not driving. God's word doesn't leave it there though. Right? He's like, that's not what God has for you as your best. But that's not really a trigger. I mean, maybe it's for you. Right? But for the, if you think about like homosexuality. Currently in this day and age, that's a trigger for a lot of people. You go back 50 years, and it wasn't as much of a trigger. We know it had existed, but it wasn't necessarily in the church as much as it is. I remember I, I, talking to, uh, I was talking to this one dad recently who, um, he was a non-believer, and we were just chatting, and, and I don't know, anybody chat around people in politics surfaces, right? He goes, bro, my daughter, she's only in, uh, I think she was like 7th, uh, 8th grade, something like that. He goes, bro, my daughter has five best friends that she grew up with like her whole life. Five of them are like bi or homosexual or talking about these other stuff. And in his mind, his, and I wasn't even saying anything. He was like, this doesn't even make any sense to him. 
coming from a non-believer, looking and assessing the world that he's living in. Right? What is our response as believers? Right? For me, and, and I think it, it's to, to know God's word and not just the law, but the love of God that backs that up, you know? Like if you get the law without the love, you, you, you miss it, right? You just feel like God is, is the hard hand, just, right? And then anybody who speaks on that behalf, like, oh, who are you? You're a lunatic, like you, you know? But if we have the law and we have the love, then I feel like we can love people in Jesus' name and allow them to experience the life that is promised to them. I'm telling you right now, the church would be empty if the world satisfied everything that people had. But why are people, and, and I've been sensing this more recently, right? There are people that are hungry for something else. There are numerous people who are attending Waipuna Chapel, Makwa and Kula, leaving practices of the world because it's empty. We probably got a dozen guys that left the New Age movement because they're like, man, it's empty and my life is falling apart. I need something else. And they're finding it in the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. They're finding life where? In the 66 books that call them out on their issues. But as their issues are being called out, they're finding something that they couldn't find in the world. Freedom. Life. Restoration. They can sleep at night. You know? They're finding the big P purpose on why they've been created. Joy, happiness, and as long as we stay committed to the word of God and the love of God, we're going to continue to free people from the tyranny that is out here in this world. The moment we divert from that, we've lost ourselves. The moment we divert from the word of God, Waipuna Chapel, their expiration date is a near future. We will cease to exist. The moment we start budging from God's word. You want to inherit the things of the world. Chase it all you want. Just don't put a God stamp on it. We all right? But if we chase after God, you get something that the world cannot offer you. And it's not just life. We get the Lord. You guys get that? I don't want the kingdom of God if God's not actually a part of the kingdom, right? If we follow the path that Jesus set out for us, where does the end of that path go? To the feet of Jesus, right? I'm longing for the day where I get to see him face to face, amen? Like I talk to him daily and I love it, right? But there's going to come a time where there's no separation between us and the Father and we get to experience, right? Unrestricted intimacy, fellowship, conversation, with the creator of our lives. We got to hold the pillar. Yeah. While we are here in this season. Yeah. While I'm here as a pastor. And while the elders are holding up the fort. We have to hold the banner of purity. And godliness and holiness. And truthfulness to his word. Now and forevermore. Right. It's just like Joshua says. Me and my household. We're going to serve the Lord. Right. It's like the pastors, the elders, and, and those who are here, the committed believers. Like, while we are here in our time in this season, we cannot budge. Amen? We cannot budge. Right? 
And while we not budge, let's double down on love. Right? I would love for our church to be filled with anybody on this list. Because they're more than what is on this list. Amen? We cannot list this to, to, to you know, we don't want to label people. Oh, you're this guy, you're that guy. No, no, no. They're more than that. Who are they? They're individuals who Jesus died for. Amen? And we're called to die for. Right? Like we need to go above and beyond. I mean, that's the heart of Christ, right? To go further than they ask, amen? To give them more than they steal. Why? So that they can get to the heart of God. It doesn't make sense, Christ crucified. It doesn't make sense when we are crucified on the behalf of others who don't know Jesus. When we lay down our lives for others, they're going to see a genuine, pure godliness and goodness and love that the world isn't offering. Right? And what is going to be birthed in there? Change, life, hope, amen? That's the exciting thing is when we can start making a difference, a headway in the world that we are living in. Anybody signing up today? Anybody signing up today? Because the Apostle Paul reminds them, some were, right, and such were some of you. But we were washed. Everybody say washed. Oh, that's good, right? Some of you were sanctified. Everybody sanctified. That means set apart, right? Made holy. Like God hand selects you out of the trash of the world and says, I got a plan for you, bro. Right? Let's go. I got a mission. I've been thinking about you for all of eternity. God has a mission for you, a plan for you, right? And he's setting you apart. He's sanctifying you, equipping you for that good work. And then you were justified. Everybody say justified. Treated by God just as if ah, none of this ever existed. is good this is good where else are you going to find this in the world come on for such were many of us amen and maybe there's a little bit of this still yet in our lives God's not finished amen he's continuing to wash he's already justified he's continuing to sanctify Verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, the Apostle Paul says, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. See, the Greek culture separated soul from body. They believed the soul was the only thing that mattered. So whatever I did with the body, no matter. I could do whatever I wanted with whomever I wanted at any time that I wanted because the body never really mattered. That's not what Jesus says, though. Jesus came back not as a spirit Jesus came back as a redeemed person. He ate and the food stayed in him, you know. He hung out, but then he also like vanished at times. Like, you know, it was just different. What we do with our bodies matter, amen. 
And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know what your bodies, that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall then, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? The apostle Paul says, never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So the Apostle Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual immorality, a sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then he reminds them what he talked about earlier, that living inside of us is the naos of God. What is the naos of God? It's the most holy place in the temple where the Spirit of God dwelt. He's saying we're already married to the Lord. We're already adopted into his family. He's given us grace, mercy, power, freedom to live accordingly. How do we do that? With one another. Amen? How do we do that? With the word of God. How do we do that? Because the spirit living God is here for us, freeing us from those things, empowering us to those things. Anybody here who you challenged with this message? Let's chat it out. Let's pray it out. Let's see what God has in store for you. I'm telling you, it's better than what the world has for you. 100%. You know, what about my friends who practice all those things? God has a plan for them as well. Amen? Living inside of us. For all those who are professing believers in Jesus, he's deposited in us his spirit. The more we submit to it, the more we go along with God and his plans, the more we get to see his beauty unfold in the lives that we live. I, I know this morning, some of you here are like, God's good. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. What does the world have that is better than what God has? Right? If the, if the world can give you life, freedom, and opportunity, go for it. But if, if what you found in the world is a little like you're kind of tired, Jump head over heels for the Lord. Immerse yourself in the Bible. Immerse yourself in, in church and, and just see if you dedicate your life to the Lord. For, and give him a chance. Go six months. Go 12 months. Say, God, the next 12 months, I'm all in. And if my life is worse at the end of that, I'm out. Put him to the test. I promise you, I promise you, if you are wholehearted to God, you will not be disappointed. 100%. You, what you can't do, though, is be right in the middle with one foot in the world, one foot in the Lord, and at the end of the day, say, my life never planned out. You know, like if you're going to play the game and you're going to get that result, don't say, like, it's all God's fault. Just take it for what it is and just blame yourself. 
what God is offering us, nothing in this world can. Right? And, and, and the wisest individual, right? Solomon, he, he said that very same thing. He's like, go chase after all the things of the world. He's like, I, I got it. I had it. And it left me empty. It left me void. Right? It left me solo. And Solomon, the wisest guy, of, he had it all. He goes back to the Lord and says, only, only the Lord matters. You know? Let's stand this morning. We, we are just about at Makwa adjourning time. Let me just pray this morning and uh, use those connect cards, okay? If, you, if something happened this morning and you're stirring, you're like, man, I would love to just chat a little bit about this, you know? Um, the best questions are the ones that are asked, you know? Um, we want the word of God to stir in us things that aren't of him, you know? And uh, if there's some stirring this morning, let's pray it out, you know? You, you're not solo in this. Um, we would love to uh, journey with you, but before we leave, let's pray for God's counsel and God's spirit to do his work. Amen. Jesus, we mahalo you for this morning. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we've been justified. We've been saved. You continually are sanctifying us. You're calling us, God, out of the world, the practices of the world, the behaviors of the world, God, one habit at a time. Thank you, God, that you're committed to the long run. Lord, I know you're committed to each person here. Father, my prayer this morning is that they would be committed to you. That you would give them enough faith to just trust in you. They don't need a lot, God, but the faith that they do have, I pray that they would just go all in with you. Just thinking about the eyes of the Lord looking to and fro over the face of the earth, wanting to give strong support to those whose hearts are whole and open to him. Lord, I pray for hearts that are open this morning, for you to do a mighty work, God, in the lives of the individuals here. The world has nothing to offer us. I pray, God, that in this lifetime, we would be able to experience all that you have. Thank you that we can experience it now on this earth, not just in, you know, wherever heaven is, but we can experience a little bit of heaven today. So we pray for your freedom, Jesus. We pray for your spirit, Jesus. We pray for um, your cleansing, Jesus. We pray for your power, God, to, to leave the things of this world and people of this world. And yeah, just to be, experience all that you have. So we pray all these things in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kaipo. Lambert, we're going to do um, New Wine. We're not going to do the last song. I'm so thrilled that Kaipo taught us a little bit about Lili Uokalani. So for those of you unfamiliar with our last queen, for those of you who dance the hula, who know the Hawaiian culture, we still sing and honor Lili Uokalani, right? And we honor the humility of what occurred because 100 years after um, the country was overthrown, the President of the United States apologized for um, this travesty. So it's hard to imagine because we live in the United States, but imagining that we were a country once 
And so the Hawaiians still honor Lili'u. Lili'u e noho nani mai kokino e kiimili mili Lili'u e because she was our ali'i. Noho nani mai kokino e kiimili mili komaka e her eyes, no veo vale, the things she saw. Ko pa pa lina e kukuana, and yet she still smiled. Ko po hivi ani peahi, and from her heart. Ko polie nahe nahe vale, very, very kind. Ko kulie nukumo e hoe, ko vavai pahu vai iluna. Tell the story. We don't forget you and your forgiveness. We remember the flag. So we remember these things. Um, and we remember when what Kaipo didn't share was that for nine months. The queen was imprisoned in her palace. Yeah, we remember that. And she wrote songs of worship from that pa palace. The queen's prayer, which we still sing. So because you folks are in Hawaii, we must tell the story, mustn't we? We must remember the forgiveness and we must remember that once we were a country and that our queen laid down and forgave. She wasn't here to receive the apology, and it was late. And, you know, if you ever had a brother or sister say they're sorry, but then restitution truly comes by our actions, not just our words, yeah? So when you say sorry to someone, maybe go clean their yard. <laughs> you know, so true apologies come with humility so um we're gonna sing new wine but i just wanted to clarify that it was a difficult time in our history and a time of sorrow still for many hawaiians not because of the overthrow but because of many things that were taken out of greed the very things we talked about yeah greed and lust for land and power so praise god the living god we have yeah, for forgiveness. New wine in the crushing and the pressing, and our queen definitively um, knew the crushing and the pressing. I'm going to insert. You guys can be seated. No, 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 stay standing. No, 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 not second sermon. Uh, I, I think as, you know, people like who live here and, 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 you know, the Hawaiians and they think the history and there definitely is that grief piece of it. But, you know, what the, the legacy that she left behind, her godliness, is the thing that brings me hope because... The kingdom of Hawaii is separate from God. No matter. And I'm not trying to bring a kingdom of God here. I mean, I, I'm not trying to bring a kingdom of Hawaii here, you know? Like, if that happens, it restores. At the end of the day, it's all going to pass away. Yes. Right? What can we glean on, though? Bringing a kingdom of God, however he is passioning you with your area, into that sphere, you know? And without God in this past, right? With God, out God in the story, it's, it's a sad story. You know, but even in the midst of great sadness and folly and, you know, defeat, that there's still hope. 
right? And that's like the beauty, right? That's the beauty in the, in, in, in the, in the world we're living in. When we're suffering loss, there still can be gain, you know? As we lose things in this world, we may gain more things of Christ, right? And, and that's the, the kingdom of God doesn't work like one plus one equals two. Sometimes one minus one equals five. You know, it's just like you get more sometimes when we eliminate things of the world and we grab onto things of God. It's like this great promise. So we lost the kingdom, but the kingdom of God is maybe displayed a little bit more to us this morning because of an example of the queen. Amen? So... Let's worship. Pressing, you are making new wine. In the soul I now surrender, you are breaking ground. In the crushing, in the those Christians, our Ali'i, we thank you for the wisdom that you give to us that we can have by asking the Holy Spirit. So bless those that have come today and their families, Lord Jesus, and any who are sick in their families, would you please heal them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.